Good morning. Let's stand. Let's stand together and sing and worship.
First Peter chapter 1 says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In his great mercy, he has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil, or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you, who through faith are shielded by God's power until the coming of the salvation that is set to be revealed in the last times. In all of this, we greatly rejoice, though now, for a little while, we may have had to suffer grief in all kinds of trials. This is my prayer in the desert When all that's within me feels dry This is my prayer in my hunger and need my God is the God who provides. This is my prayer in the fire, in weakness, in trial, or in pain. There is a faith proof your working goal, so refine me, go through the flame. I will bring praise, I will bring praise, no weapon formed against me shall be. triumph is still on its way. I am a conqueror, co-wearing Christ, so firm on his promise I'll stand. Let's sing it out. I will bring praise, I will bring praise, no weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice, I will declare, God is my victory and all of my life in every season you are still God I have a reason to sing I have a reason to worship all of my life in every season you are still God I have a reason to One more time. All of my life, in every season, you are still God. I have a reason to sing. I have a reason to worship. I will bring praise. I will bring praise. No weapon formed against me shall remain. I will rejoice, I will declare, God is my victory in his This is my prayer in the harvest, when favor and providence flow. I received, I will sow. 
may be seated or continue to stand however you would like to worship.
Jesus, oh, how he loves us, oh, how he loves us, oh, how he loves needed to sing that another time maybe a couple more we live in unprecedented times if I hear that word one more time <laughs> but it is true and we need to realize We're still trying to deal with all of this stuff, aren't we? And so many different ways. We have friends and family who are one extreme, friends and family another extreme. I was talking to somebody on, this week on the phone. They said, I've got a child who's in this extreme and another child's that extreme. And somewhere in there, the love of Jesus has to flow. To the ones at this extreme, the ones at that extreme, we just have to love through the love of Jesus Christ. Amen. The answer is not going to be the politicians. <laughs> I'm sorry. It's not going to be in whoever you're looking for. The answer is going to be found in Jesus. We're struggling. I'm struggling to, how do I minister? I went to somebody's home this week because they invited me out. Do I need to wear a mask? Do you not? You know, all of these things. I visited through a nursing home window, had my mask on. But then you think, do they even recognize who you are? We all have to just kind of find our way in showing the love of Jesus and maybe not get so bound up on this extreme or that extreme. Amen? And I've been thinking about how do we do family altar? Because someone comes down to pray, sometimes we'd come around and pray with them. And if you're family, I guess that's okay, but you're thinking, well, what if well, I'm not family? What do we do? So we're just trying to work it through. So I've started the last couple of weeks, put a mask on when I come down to pray with people, you know? And so these are the things that you have to Kind of think through because we have some people at one extreme, some people at another extreme. I don't want to offend anybody. And with the love of Christ, we have to, though, be able to minister to everyone. So sometimes, well, you know, get the six foot distance. But if you're going to get close to pray, maybe we need to mask up, put a face mask on. Those kind of things. Of course, we have hand sanitizer, all these kind of things. I'm just trying to work through them because some people are so far past it. And then others are still fearful to come out. Besides those in the nursing home and uh, in assisted living, who I don't expect to return because they're not allowed to 
come out, go back. Debbie was counting. We have 12 family groups, could be a single individual, whatever, who haven't even returned yet. So you know that the fear is very real and the health issues are very real. And as I've told you all along, if, if you've been coming back, as many of you have, you're comfortable now, but some of them are still not comfortable. And so I'm just saying all this not to down the service, but to remind us that the love of Jesus flowing through us helps to smooth out all of these differences. Amen? We do that as a body of Christ. Just go ahead and step back and give people the grace and the strength that they need to, to deal with it the way they're dealing with it under God. Does that make sense? That's a, kind of a pastoral moment, but I understand that starting tomorrow, more businesses are going to be requiring uh, new stipulations, uh, including the face mask, even here, because chain stores are doing it regardless of what state you're in. Um, whatever state you live in. Some states are requiring. But anyway, what is truth? We've been on this for a while. In fact, this is number nine in the series. And uh, I'm a series preacher. My, my district superintendent says, man, I never go four or five. And that's, that's been for my series. My series goes 25 and 30 sometimes, uh, Sundays on it. And so we just keep on flowing as the Holy Spirit led us. And here we are in John chapter 8 this morning, verse 32 to 31 to uh, 42, if you want to stand with us. There's some stuff in between, and even the word true is found in there, but it's stuff that we've already talked about uh, in some of the previous messages. So I'm moving on to here, John 8, 31. Then Jesus said to those who believed him, and this is in contrast to the previous verse where he said he spoke these words, many believed in him. And I think John is making a distinction. There's some who believed in him, and these were ones who just believed him. They believed his words, but they didn't really believe in him as the Messiah and changed their lives. So I think he's making that distinction. So these people believed him. If you abide in my word, you are my disciples indeed, and you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. They needed to be free yet. They needed the truth. Because they didn't get it. So they said, we are Abraham's descendants, and we have never been in bondage to anyone. How can you say you shall be made free? All right, they got their hackles up, right? Jesus answered, most assuredly I say to you, Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin. What kind of freedom is he talking about? Slave to sin. And a slave does not abide in the house forever, but a son abides forever. Oh, wow. That's pretty awesome. Therefore, if the son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. I know that you're Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your 
father? They answered and said to him, Abraham is our father. Jesus said to them, if you were Abraham's children, you would do the works of Abraham. But now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth, which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. You do the deeds of your father. Then they said to him, we were not born of fornication. We have one father, God. Jesus said to him, if God were your father, you would love me. For I proceeded forth and came from God, nor have I come of myself, but he sent me. And we will continue next week because he continues on. Lord, bless the reading of your word today and give us ears to hear in Jesus' name. Amen. You may be seated. What is truth? We continue through the book of John looking for answers. And after last week's lesson, Jesus continued his ministry in Galilee for six months and then headed to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Tabernacles. And at this week-long event, Feast of the Tabernacles, Jesus waited a couple of days before he showed up and began teaching the Jewish people. And so there was this controversy going on. Is he going to show up or not? Is he around? Doesn't he come up to the feast or whatever? There's a whole lot of stuff in here. And so he waited a little bit. And uh, much of what Jesus is doing is when he's showing up, he finally begins to teach, and he's teaching temple courts, and then whatever, and stuff, controversy begins to develop. And interesting, during this feast, when he is teaching, he uses three of his uh, I am statements. And, and, you know, John is known for the I am statements, and we did a series on them. And so here he is teaching all important stuff, and... Uh, controversies developing. And Jesus kept claiming his relationship to his father, but most of the Jewish people are not willing to accept that because if they do, then he's the Messiah. (laughs) So they struggled with their own concept of the Messiah and Jesus did not fit the kind of Messiah that they wanted. And how many people today, Jesus doesn't fit the kind of person they want to worship or work for or live. Because we want to make Jesus look like us. We want Jesus to fit into our plans. Jesus is a radical. He wants to change us. Not just say, oh, you're good the way you are. He wants to change you and I and make us like him. So there were even a couple of attempts during this week to seize Jesus. One to arrest him, another one to stone him. And they're really getting to that point. But his time had not yet come. It's not Passover yet. That's still six months away. Our passage today is in the middle of this controversy that's going on. Some are trying to accept what Jesus is teaching, but they just can't make that final step of faith. John wrote that some believed him, verse 31, but others believed in him, verse 30. So John seems to be making a distinction that there's differences in actual level of beliefs. Some find him interesting, some believe what he's saying, but others are believing in him that he is the Savior, the Messiah, the Son of God. It's not very many of them, 
but some. And, and that is when Jesus begins to teach this truth about freedom. If you will just accept my teachings, you will truly be my disciples. And you shall know the truth, and truth shall make you free. Verse 32. So what do we need freedom from? What is Jesus teaching us about freedom? First, we need freedom from denial. Because what do they respond with? He says, you shall know the truth. The truth will set you free. You can be my disciple if you truly believe. <laughs> and so they say in verse 33, we have never been. <laughs> and we are not now, nor will we ever be in bondage to anyone. Hello? The Jewish people have never been? In bondage to everyone? I mean, isn't it interesting? Of course, they're talking about national freedom. Jesus is going to be talking about spiritual freedom, as we're going to see. But they're starting out. Oh, wait a minute, Jesus. He said, the truth's going to set you free. We're not a bondage. We're Jewish people. How many Christians struggle with the fact, oh, I know who I am. And God's trying to pull them into something else. Okay. They are so wrong here. The Jewish people have been in captivity for many years. Many years, many different times. Talking about the Egyptians, talking about the Assyrians, talking about the Babylonians. Oh, we've never been in bondage. Oh, yeah? Read your Old Testament. They have a lot of it memorized. They're supposed to know all this stuff. How conveniently we forget. Right? And they're currently under the control of who? The Romans. And they're not happy about it. In fact, their whole concept of a Messiah was the one come and set them free from the Roman bondage. And here they are. They couldn't do anything without Roman permission. They couldn't even kill Jesus without permission from the Romans. Oh, we've never been under bondage. We've always been free. How quickly we want to rewrite our history or forget our current social issues, but denial doesn't change the truth. And you can take that into our popular culture today. Now, human pride always resists any accusations about personal freedom. The, the ironic thing is those who have less freedoms are usually the ones loudest talking about it. They keep talking about the silent minority or it could be a majority in the United States. People who aren't out there. People who aren't being interviewed. People who aren't being polled. And they're wondering about us. But the ones out there that are spouting all their stuff are probably the least free of all. And the ones who are being silent probably have more freedom. Think about it. Now those countries that boast about their socialistic freedom of the people are those whose people are forced to do what the state requires. They keep pushing this agenda. 
Look at it. Study your history. You must attend these indoctrination classes. You can only attend certain churches that are state-controlled and sponsored. The rest are stopped. You must give your sons to our armies. You must give your daughters to our factories. You will learn what we teach you. You will stand... You ever seen those movies of um, Adolf Hitler? All those young people? Under Mao and China? They, I mean, they do whatever they're told to do. They might as well be robots. And you must turn in your neighbor who is not obeying our rules. But Jesus wasn't talking about national freedom. He was talking about spiritual freedom. And so we get this whole thing, you, you know, you shall know the truth and the truth shall say. Politicians quote this because they think they have the truth. But Jesus isn't talking about that kind of freedom. He is talking about this kind of freedom. And like the Jews who are in denial, many sinners would say, oh, I don't have a problem with freedom. I can do whatever I want. You hear that lie again and again. If you're really free, you can do whatever you want. But ladies and gentlemen, you are not free. You're a slave to sin. And that's going to be the next, next point. But our first point is, a person cannot find any freedom when he or she is in denial about their current bondage, about their current slavery. It is so hard to teach and reach people today because they think, I can do whatever I want. I can destroy this. And I can protest that. And I can do, well, I'm free. Well, yeah, you're free. But you're destroying what society is paid for. You're putting people out of business. You're killing innocent people, including children. My dad used to say, yeah, your freedom ends where my nose begins. You swing your arms all you want to until it comes in contact with my nose. And they don't see it that way. That's national problems. We have those. But there's a root cause. And we need to start with freedom from denial, you need to begin to say, yes, we have a problem. Yes, I have a problem. And if they're not willing to admit that, we're never going to get to a solution or find freedom. Because the next thing is, you have to admit to a problem before God can give you the solution. So we need freedom from acts of sin. Number two, because I said, we've never been in bondage. And Jesus says, wait a minute. <laughs> so the Bible in history has taught us that the weakness of all powerful nations, the reason why powerful nations many times falls is because of human nature. 
You study your history, you look at the Bible, what the problems the Jewish people had in the Old Testament was again and again, they thought we've got it made because we're so strong, because God has blessed us. Now we can do whatever we want. We can worship the Baals and we can worship Ashtoreth and we can worship Moloch and we can work and God's going to continue to bless us. It's not going to matter. We want to be like the nations around us. Give us a king, give us a king, give us a king. Give us idols, give us idols. So the problem isn't a national problem. The problem is an internal problem. And many powerful empires were destroyed because of military conquest. But others merely crumbled because of moral decay. The Jewish people were one of them. Again and again, moral decay. I'm reading Jeremiah, and it is so difficult. They call him the weeping prophet. You know, God told him, do not pray for this people. (laughs) Three times already, I've read, you do not pray for them. Jeremiah prays anyway. But can we get to a point as a nation where God says, no longer pray for these people because they are going to be punished because of what they have done? God told Jeremiah not to pray for the Jewish people. I'm kind of burdened today. I don't like what our country is becoming, but it is the church's fault. Notice verse 34, Jesus wasn't concerned about national freedom as much as personal spiritual freedom from the bondage of sinful acts. Jesus didn't come to defeat the Romans. Ladies and gentlemen, he came to defeat Satan. He came to defeat sin. He's not coming to defeat the Republicans or the Democrats or the Independents or the Libertarians. He's coming to defeat sin. It's not red or blue. It's Jesus. Again, if a person denies that he or she has a sin problem, then that person cannot receive God's spiritual cure. And we deny that there's anything wrong with us. The problem is all of them who don't agree with us. Sinner needs to understand that there is no freedom when they're acting out their sin. There is an intentional illusion of personal freedom that Satan gives to us that you can do what you want when you go out there and do that sin. But you don't understand. Every time you do that sin, you are becoming more and more in bondage to that sin. And you're becoming more and more in bondage to him who is the source of sin. If you're new today, I'm sorry. I usually don't yell this much. I do pace, though. The decision that you make to sin is to defy God's will for your life 
And that puts the person, when you're saying no to God's will, you put you under direct control of Satan's will. The illusion of freedom is there, but the actuality of slavery is what's taking place. And now you're not a slave to God, you're a slave to Satan. And he's so cute. He has, he's little red and he's got little horns and a little forked tail. And, and oh, it's just so cute, little Satan. I wish you could really see Satan. You would run. Can you imagine somebody that is so consumed with evil? Now, Jesus identified two fathers in these verses. Verse 38 and 41. <laughs> He's making a contrast. He said, I speak what I have seen with my father, and you do what you have seen with your father. Well, they think he's talking about Abraham. Our father is Abraham. So then he says, you do the deeds of your father. Verse 41. And then down in verse 44, which is being next Sunday's lesson, he says, you are of your father, the devil. So we got to continue, and I just want to get into that next week, because he says the truth can't be found in him. He's the father of lies and all this kind of stuff. So that's going to be an interesting lesson. <laughs> the implication is that we will either follow the will of our heavenly father, or we're going to do the will of the other father, the devil. There is no middle road. Jesus is very adamant in his teaching here in verse 34. Whoever commits sin is a slave of sin, and he's just as forceful about the solution in verse 36. If the Son makes you free, you will be free indeed. You will truly be free. How is truth involved? Well, you need to understand that the source of sin is Satan. You need to understand that every sin makes you Satan's slave. You need to understand that Jesus is the only person that can set you free from the power of Satan and his control over your life. You shall know the truth, and the truth makes you free. Not something quoted by a politician, but something said by Jesus to talk about sin. Know the truth, Jesus, and truth will set you free from sin. And I think you understand this point very well. It has been emphasized many times. Jesus offers us freedom from acts of sin, but we also need freedom from wrong motivations. So the Jews have trouble accepting the truth Jesus shared. He didn't fit their ideas. He didn't go along with their plans. So now, how do they respond to a different truth? Verse 37, I know that you are Abraham's descendants, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. Verse 40, but now you seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth which I heard from God. Abraham did not do this. <laughs> These words frighten me. You seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. You seek to kill me, a man who has told you the truth. Think about that for a minute. 
unwilling to accept Jesus' words, his truth from God, these people were motivated to a drastic response to kill the source of truth. To kill the Son of God. To kill their promised Messiah. Don't those words frighten you? And you thought the cancel culture movement was something new. It was already alive and active in Jesus' day. If you don't like his truth, then band together to silence his voice. Cancel him! Cancel him! Cancel him! It's not much different than crucify him! Crucify him! Crucify him! Shut up his voice! We don't want to hear the truth! We don't want to know the teachings! We don't want Jesus! He bothers me when he talks to me. We need to cut him out. I don't like what he puts on Twitter. I don't like the post he makes on Facebook. Cancel Jesus! Does group shaming change the truth? Does boycotting a person or a company change the truth? Does shutting up other opinions that differ from yours change the truth? If we removed all voices except everyone who agrees with us and killed them all off, does it really change the truth? We're living in a day of cancel. It's a nice word for crucify. Because they will take you out if you disagree with them. And they will take us out if we disagree with them. But we have to agree with this. Here's the real question that we are facing, and I'm so scared for my grandchildren. I'm so scared for some of our children. Because does Dan, banning the Bible and prayer and Christian ethics from society change the truth? Or is God going to come and hold our nation accountable and each of us accountable to his truth that is found in Jesus Christ? When Jesus shows up to hold us accountable like he did in the Jews in the Old Testament and we're all going, well, this ain't fair. We don't like it. Let's be clear. The cancel culture is not going to solve any problems. It didn't then. It doesn't now. To solve problems means that different opinions have to come together, seek God's guidance, which is the first thing we need to do, but they refuse to do so. And if they will do that, then you can have an honest conversation and discover the truth, God's will about a particular situation. That's the only way to solve problems. That's the only way to solve the racist problem. It's the only way to solve the abortion problem. It's the only way to solve the homosexual problem. It's the only way to solve any of them. you got to start here. 
If you deny this, there is no hope. And I thought, what am I going to do when they're coming after me? Because I can be canceled for saying this. Jesus said, you shall know the truth. And the truth will set you free. They're not free because they don't start with the truth. And being unfree makes you upset and violent and cancel and Forcing your will on others is the wrong motivation. Finding God's truth is the only way to real freedom. And true freedom makes you a responsible person, a responsible person, a person who is responsible, a responsible person who actually lives the truth of Jesus in your daily lives. And that's what we're missing today. People who get the truth and become responsible to live the truth. And that's us. And that's what they don't see. Because sin doesn't tolerate anything that exposes it. Sin doesn't tolerate Jesus because he exposes it. He exposes the Pharisees as white-eyed sepulchers. Look good on the outside, but inside they're full of bones. He exposes the fact that they do all these rules, but they won't even use their pinky finger to lift up the load of someone who is hurting and down. But Christianity gets involved. Jesus goes to the person who is down and out, and everybody's forsaken them, and he says, I'll help you. Okay. Sin doesn't tolerate anything that exposes it. You start preaching the truth about sin, and the sinners are going to rise up against the truth. Sinners are slaves to sin. They will do anything to keep that slavery going. Racism, sexuality, power, abortion, money, it doesn't matter the issue. They are wrongly motivated to continue in sin. They killed Jesus to silence his voice. And they will kill you. I told you last week, 4,000 and some people were killed in 2018 because they were Christians. They're silencing them in other countries. We've been so protected here. There's a movement to silence truth now in the United States. Talked to my neighbor this week. I was mowing the lawn, a stinky, sweaty, whatever. She came out to get her mail. They're concerned, folks. Your honest, everyday, working American is concerned. They killed Jesus. There's one more freedom we need. 
Talk about wrong motivation. This is the bottom line. Freedom from unbelief. Here's the real issue Jesus had to confront. The Jewish people refused to accept that Jesus was the Son of God. A few did. They believed in him. But most of them believed, but not in him or on him. And that's our problem today. Here's the real problem behind all denial. Oh, there's nothing wrong with me. I get whatever freedom I've got. Here's the real problem behind acts of sin. I can do whatever I want. I don't have freedom. Who cares about Jesus? That don't matter. Here's the real problem behind wrong motivation. If I don't like what you're saying, I can cancel you just like we canceled Jesus. The real problem behind all of those is that people still refuse to accept that Jesus is the only true answer. So they'll deny, they'll continue their sins, they'll take a wrong motivation and get mad at other people who, because their unbelief, they do not believe Jesus is the answer. If they would believe Jesus is the answer, that's the Jewish problem. He's standing right before them, he's teaching them the truth. Notice verse 37. Why do they want to kill Jesus? I know that you are Abraham's descendants, Jesus said, but you seek to kill me because my word has no place in you. They won't believe. They won't believe what he's saying. They won't believe what their Old Testament scriptures are telling them. They will not accept it. They won't believe God's truth, his teachings, his word. Why do we struggle with sin? Because we won't accept God's way out of sin. Why do we struggle with getting along as a country? Because we won't accept God's truth about moral living. We, why do we struggle with contentment inside? Because we won't accept God's plan for our lives. Jesus said, I am the way and the truth and the life. You want to find the way to live? You want to find the truth about life? You want to find how to best live a life? No one comes to the Father except through Jesus. Slavery to sin is caused by disbelief. A willful rejection of Jesus Christ. Salvation is contingent upon our belief in Jesus Christ to save us from sin. And freedom from sin continues only as we continue to believe God's will as being better than my own. That's how we continue. We have to believe. Disbelief keeps you in sin. Belief sets you free, and that is how you live continually in God's life. You have to get to this point. We need freedom from unbelief. We need to believe something. People need something to believe in today. Okay. So the solution starts in finding God's truth inside the Bible. God's word. 
So it starts in you, it starts in me, it starts inside another person. We all have to believe in Jesus, and your own unbelief has to be confronted before you begin to find answers. It starts with accepting and living according to God's word. As we go back to verse 31 and 32, Jesus said, If you abide in my word, you are my true disciples. And you shall know the truth, and the truth shall make you free. Freedom comes from truth, truth comes from God, and true disciples follow God's will. What is truth? The truth is that there's false freedom and there's true freedom. False freedom is redefining what truth is. Every day, you are being bombarded with a different truth. They're teaching you a false narrative. Some say that false narrative will conveniently disappear after the November elections. We want chaos. We want trouble. We want it. It's being pushed. They don't care as long as you get their version of truth. False Freedom is redefining truth. True freedom is accepting God's truth. False freedom is to do what I want. True freedom is to do what I should. It's not about what you want. It never was about what you want. It's what should I be doing. If every Christian would do what they should be doing, and if everybody else in society started doing what they should be doing, it would solve it. It's not about what you want. What does God want? That's what I should be doing. False freedom produces anarchy. We're seeing that. True freedom assumes personal responsibility for my own actions. Those people who destroyed or killed somebody else should turn themselves in and be punished. Or pay for the building that you destroyed. Reimburse that business owner when you destroyed his property. That is taking responsibility for your actions. Nobody likes that anymore. But they have just as much right to live as you do. They have just as much right to have a business as you do. They have just as much right to live and walk our streets as you do. And you know you can't even walk on the streets of New York City from home to work anymore because they're scared. My daughter went to New York And she said, everybody's fit in New York because you have to park and then you have to walk. Because there's not enough parking for all those people. So they have parking garages, whatever, but a lot of people commute in. She said, everybody's in shape. But now they're scared to walk the streets. False freedom produces anarchy. True freedom assumes the personal responsibility for my own actions. False freedom is my slavery to Satan and sin. True freedom is my submission to God's will. 
True freedom says, not my will, but your will be done. Who prayed that? Jesus. If he prays that prayer, we have to as well. What is truth? The truth is that neutrality about Jesus is not an option. You have to choose today. Are you for Jesus or are you fighting against Jesus? Do you love, obey, and serve Jesus or are you trying to silence Jesus? Are you trying to silence the truth? Jesus stated the obvious, if you abide in my word, you are my true disciples and you shall know the truth and the truth shall make you free from your slavery to sin. It's family altar time. <laughs> I'm sorry I yelled at you this morning. But I hurt. Our nation is crying out to God through the tears of these parents whose children are dead, the family members of police officers who are being attacked, from innocent bystanders. Oh, it's not all that bad. They're refusing to show us how bad it really is. And we're down here in a little town of Brazil, and not much happens here, but in our cities, people are being killed. And it's all being fed through the media to promote a certain viewpoint. And I don't want our country to be what it is becoming. And there's major concern. We're worried about face mask or not to face mask. I'm worried about sin or not to sin. Kill or not to kill. Jesus or cancel Jesus. That's where we are. And the church needs to pray. And the church needs to start carrying a burden. And the Christians need to start letting the light shine. And the Christian needs to put out good, positive, joyful, encouraging stuff. Encourage each other. Paul says, encourage each other more and more as you see the day approaching. We need each other, ladies and gentlemen. We need to pray for each other, brothers and sisters. We need to keep encouraging each other. We need to worship. That was good worship this morning. And there's going to be some more. We need it. Because one day we get a couple hours with Jesus, and then the rest of the week you're out there. And we can't just go into our homes and shut and lock the doors. We have to interact with society. They need to be the salt. We need to be salt and light to them. They need to know the difference. Because if they find the truth, then the truth can set them free from their slavery to sin. So that's why I'm concerned. I don't know how much longer we have.
But I do know while we're here, we are to do our job. So as we pray this morning, you can come and pray here, sit in the seats, wherever you want to, you can pray. But I'd ask you please to start praying for God to move on America again. Pray for revival. Pray for it to start in you. You're going to have to get burdened and concerned. Let's stand together. Praise team's coming. Lord Jesus, this is the most important time of this service when we talk to you. Help us, Lord, to carry our burdens to you. I'm worried about children. I'm worried about ministry. I'm worried about how do we do this. I want to do it correctly, but Lord, our prayer is not our will, but your will be done. We pray for our country. We pray, Lord, for leadership. We pray for media. We pray, Lord, for elections. We, but we also pray right here for our area in Clay County. We need Jesus in Clay County and in Brazil, Indiana. Start a revival right here. Start it in our churches in this community. Start it among the praying Christians in this community. Lord, lay it on the hearts of your prayer warriors to begin to carry this burden to you in prayer. And Lord, help us. Help us, Lord. In this time of prayer and talking to you, get beyond ourselves for a few moments. Focus on Jesus. If I be lifted up, I will draw all men to me. That's what Jesus said. We want to lift you up today. In Jesus' name. Come and pray as they sing.
concerned about you, Lord, and our heart reaches out to you today, because only you satisfy, only you will meet the needs. So Lord, we turn to you today and ask, please, will you begin to do a work here in Brazil, in Clay County, and in our hearts, and amongst our families, and then our, to our friends, and our places of work, and into Kroger's, and into Walmart, and into McDonald's, and Lord, down to Great Dane, and right on around in our area, oh God, would you begin to do a work that people will say, I want to go to church, I want to serve God, I want to find answers, I need Jesus, I need Jesus, I need Jesus. Oh God, we pray, would you please begin to work? We don't know about schools starting. We don't know all this stuff. What we need is Jesus. We need Jesus today. Raise up a church, Lord, that becomes more concerned about Jesus than they are about the problems around us. So, Lord, we will begin to focus on you because you have the answer. You are the answer. You will be the answer. And so, Lord, we call on you to give us the answer today. And the answer is truth. The answer is truth. And we thank you and praise you that you are the way, the truth, and the life. And Lord, could you just shut the devil up for one day? Could you just shut him down? Please, Lord, just give us a day when all we hear is truth. Lord, it would make a difference. It would make a difference. We thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. May be seated. Yeah. 
Psalms 23 talks about the things that Jesus, that God wants to do for us. He's our shepherd. He'll lead us beside the green pastures, beside the quiet waters. He restores our soul. He guides us in the right path. But it also says, even when we walk through the dark valley, because we will, that is part of life. He will be with us. And even though the dark valley is not good, what does it say at the end? Surely your goodness and mercy will follow all the days until we get to heaven. You know, um, sometimes life is not good. It doesn't seem to be good. What we're going through is not good, but God's goodness is chasing us down. If we will make sure that we keep him, when we look back, we will see the goodness of God. How do I know that? personal experience. God is good. Life isn't always good, but God is there, and it will be good. I want to sing about that today. I love you, Lord, for your mercy never failed me. All my days I've been held in your hands. From the moment that I wake up until I lay my head, I need to sing of the goodness of God cause all my life you have been faithful 
Saturday. All right, we would like you to be here at two o'clock to help us to kind of practice some scenarios of what would happen in crisis. We pray that that would never happen, 
But um, I think being prepared is something that God would have us to do too. So we want all of you to come if you can. And uh, I think that's all that's happening this week. But you be in prayer because God has something for you this week to do for him. Let's all stand. We're going to close our service with our final song. Remember, we don't pass the offering plates, but we give you the opportunity. The plates are in the back at the Welcome Center. God bless you as you give to him. Yes, Lord, yes, Lord, yes, yes, Lord, amen.